Just want to be up front. There are a few swear words in here. So if you got some kids listening, listener discretion is advised. Across the Field Podcast is brought to you by Store Shine Detailing, TNT Springer Landscaping, Sin Rock Engraving, Sisters Embroidery and More, Antoine Automotive, Pucker Brush Pizza, The Vaughn Co., and Tenora Rams Live. another episode of across the field double b and corbin coming at you corbin how's it going oh doing well nice to see that scott norwood now has some company huh brett there it is there's that (laughs) one-liner oh man we are joined today by longtime listener first time caller russell the love muscle russell how's it going what's up so, <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to introduce yourself any other way. Dynamite no. drop in, Russell. I mean, it's been a while. I haven't been on for about a year. But well, you got to win some picks. You went the whole season without winning picks. Yeah, well, apparently I did something right because you guys couldn't go an episode without mentioning my name. So you were always in the hunt, or you were always terrible. Yeah, free advertising. There was no, <laughs> there was no in between. Yeah, yeah, just like senior <laughs> basketball. <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right guys got a lot to get into just hey let's start with the breaking news that we just got we're recording here on wednesday evening this will come out on thursday but as we were uh getting ready to start here corbin you want to drop the news college football news yeah ryan day now the best coach in the big 10 again no wait jim harbaugh out at michigan <laughs> I think that's both. I think that could be the same thing, right? That means the same thing. Does it? Uh, essentially. Jim Harbaugh headed to the Chargers. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, uh, it's not that big of a surprise, I guess, with all the news that's been building. Yeah, tell me you're not guilty without telling me you're not guilty. <laughs> I mean, I kind of expected this, so not real surprised, especially when I heard yesterday or the day before that. He and his wife were both out there um, checking things out in L.A., so kind of thought this was happening. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, the rumors have always been there. Um, I, I Hard to disagree with Russell, though, um, in regards to, you know, something something's brewing with, with the Michigan football program. Um, you know, had Harbaugh not been a Michigan guy – um, you know, it might not be as big of a shock that he, you know, builds up his school, um, and then leaves. Uh, but, but, but because it is his school and now he's leaving, um, I mean, I just, it's, it's awfully fishy. Yeah. Especially when he brought up, when was that a couple weeks ago or last week about the, uh, the immunity. Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's all adding up. Yeah, uh, I had a, I had a feeling go, go McCarthy. Ahead, no, sorry, I had a feeling McCarthy declaring it uh, was a sign too that he was going to bounce. I'm sure he grabbed him and said, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Yeah, 
Yeah, it'll be interesting so, to see, you know, as he kind of rides off into the sunset, um, you know, with a national championship in hand for now, uh, it's kind of interesting to see how the dominoes fall at Michigan. I'm, you got to think uh, Shrome Moore is, is going to be the guy. Boy, I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> so that reiterates, is Ryan Day the best coach in the Big Ten now? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Maybe I shouldn't have opened up with that. Yeah, um, I mean, we got lucky the Washington guy went to Bama, but. <laughs> Boy, that's a whole other conversation now. Yeah. Maybe it's Mike Loxley. It is not Mike Loxley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shout out to Brian Ferentz got fired. Kirk Ferentz is making a comeback this year. <laughs> I think that there's something that uh, maybe we, we discussed at a later time, um, you know, with, uh, obviously with Harbaugh leaving, um, it changes things, but with the, the new schools coming in, um, you know, one, where does Ryan day rank in the, the tier of, of big 10 coaches now with those new schools and who's at the top? Because now that I think about it, I don't think I have Ryan day at number one. Well, I don't either. But who who would you put at number one? Uh, I'd have to I'd have to think about it. Um, but I mean, just off the top of my head, because defense is important to him is Dan Lanning. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, defense seems to be all of a sudden important to Ryan Day because you know maybe he realized that he needs some defense. Um, and and we've had a good year of it, but uh, you know you've got to make it a point all the time, not just when your back's against the wall and your seat's on fire. Yeah, well, you'll have that. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, if we if we vetted it out, um, I think that there's a chance that I would still have Ryan Day at the top. But you know, just firing from the hip here, I, I would not put him at the top. I, I'd say Dan Lanning, um, to, for starters. But mm. haven't vetted that out. How about uh, Chip Kelly? Uh, if Chip Kelly could ever decide on playing one quarterback and not 45 of them, although <laughs> we're doing that this year. What I are was you just going to say, although Ryan Day has fallen into the trap of thinking that you can play eight quarterbacks at one time when we've got uh, gaping holes on the offensive line. So as old coach Jerome says, who the hell is going to block for him? Well, next man up eight times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, uh. You guys want to stay right there? And just keep talking about Buckeye football while we're here. Yeah, might as well. We'll we'll get the football the college football knocked out of the way. I'm good with it. Okay. So I guess let's just start with the Buckeyes. New offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. What do you guys think of that? I'm all in. I'm I'm one hundred percent um I forget who I was talking to the other day, Brett. It might have been you. Um, you know, O'Brien checks all the boxes that I want. I wanted a veteran guy. I wanted a guy that, um, you know, has been a head coach. Um, you know, he, he's been in the NFL. Uh, all the boxes are checked. Now, he wasn't my first pick. Um, but as long as you check all the boxes and and Ryan Day doesn't hire another yes man, I'm, I'm 100% all in with Bill O'Brien. I think it was a home run hire. What do you think, Russ? Yeah, that's good, Brett. Tell me how you feel. 
Russell's been waiting on this since it was announced. I think the ink was still wet, Brett, and he was waiting for your opinion. So when was this announced? Thursday night? Last Thursday? Thursday night, Friday. I saw it Friday afternoon. Okay, so Corbin and, and the rest of the guys in the group chat informed me of it on Thursday night. Russell reiterates on Friday, and I said, yeah, this is this is awesome. So I'll take you through my emotions. <laughs> um, Thursday night, I was not thrilled just because the simple fact we all know the history I have with Bill O'Brien and how much I dislike every decision he ever made um, in Houston when he coached my Texans. Um, <laughs> so at first, I didn't love it. And I was a little fired up. And the more I just kind of let it digest, I thought, number one, can't get any worse than what we had last year, this past season. I mean, the offense can't get any worse. So he's got he's to bring something positive. And then the other thing I thought is, as an offensive coordinator, the guy's got national championship. Uh, he's got Super Bowl. Um, so obviously he's been with Saban and Belichick. And so those are two of the best to ever do it, if not the best to do it. So if he could OC for those guys, then I guess I can, I could take him being the OC for my Ohio state Buckeyes. That was my thought. You know, it's, it's a good thing that we didn't hire a general manager because I think it would have been a terrible hire had they hired Bill O'Brien to be the general manager. But you you talked to a couple of points about being good enough for Nick Saban and, and Bill Belichick, um, two guys that I think that are, are the top of the ladder in regards to their you know level of play and coaching. Um, but not only that, he won four division titles in the NFL. I mean, regardless of the fact that of, of what he did to the team, you know, as far as <laughs> roster moves and things like that, four division titles. Um, and not only that, but Corey Dennis got relieved of his quarterback coaching duties. So again, all the boxes have been checked for me, knocked it clean out of the park. This might be the first nice thing I've ever said about Ryan day. Wow. It is 8 o'clock on January 24th. <laughs> and he's it. been the head coach for five-plus seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you. Um, well, he also tricked the Big Ten into thinking Christian Hackenberg was going to be good. And he's got plenty of quarterbacks right now to try to get that to go for us. Yeah, Ryan Day thought uh, he tricked the Big Ten and, and all of Buckeye Nation into thinking he was going to be the next heir apparent to Urban Meyer. And he took over, but he is nothing close to what Urban Meyer is. Uh, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> That's what I got on Billy O'Brien. If he can actually get the offense off on third down and we don't get delayed games during punts this year, I'll consider it a win. You know, I heard uh, he had his first team meeting with, with the squad, with the players. Um, I think it was last night or yesterday. And he made the comments, uh, a few comments, and I can't quote exactly because I don't know how it was exactly said. Um, but he talked about wanting to commit back to being a downhill running attack. Um you know, recognize that that's how you win, you know, big time championships. Um, but the one thing that I thought was even more, 
I guess, uh, surprising was that he committed to doing it the way that Ohio State's done it under Urban Meyer and how Ryan Day had initially started with that power running game. Um, you know, he said he was going to learn, you know, the, the schemes that Ohio State does um, and kind of stay committed to that. So with that in mind, um, I don't know how much of a learning curve Ohio State's going to have. Um, so I, I think that that's always a positive when the learning curve isn't steep. Yeah, I do hope I do hope to see more power schemes um, as opposed to the outside zone schemes or the, the zone schemes. But, you know, that I guess I'm nitpicking there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. So to answer Russell's question when he said, go ahead, Brett. And, and, and Russell did say um, on Friday when he texted me, he said, I'm going to give you a whole you deserve a whole 20 minutes to basically bitch about Bill O'Brien and. I'm not going to go all 20 minutes because like I said, I've, I've at first I hated it. And now it's like, well, I mean, what do you do about it? And it can't get much worse. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. So any closing thoughts on that? I mean, not really. Uh, hopefully, I mean, it's a good veteran uh, having a uh, Brian day's ear, I guess. And maybe he can learn to be a head coach. That's the biggest thing. I I, I need a, a veteran guy. I wanted a veteran guy. Um, so when those situations, you know, tight situations come down, it's not just, you know, a first-time head coach, you know, although, you know, it's going to be year six for him. Um, it's not a first-time head coach trying to make those. He's going to have a guy that's been there um, and not only been there, but has been in, in the foxhole with some of the best to ever do it. Um, so, I, again, I, I think I can't say enough good things about it. And, you know, who knows? Um, you know, maybe a year from now or just under a year from now, you guys are all calling me out and that's okay. Um, because if you're calling me out at that point, my guess is we're also having a conversation about who's going to be the next head coach at Ohio state. And I can live with that. <laughs> also, uh, one and O against, uh, Michigan as a head coach. So just, you know, to throw that out there. So that's always important, Oops. an important stat to make a note of. I'll be darned. All right, let's move on. Um, I don't even know who this cat is, but Mr. Saiyan coming to the Buckeyes, another quarterback. What do you guys think about this? So, as soon as this happened, I started doing my research. Guys, this might be a lot like 2014, but I'm not talking about Ohio State. I'm talking about Texas A&M. Oh, you remember what happened after Johnny left? No, but we we didn't have Johnny last year. No, but I'm saying the quarterback room. It was Kenny Hill got named starter, balled out, got benched for Kyle Allen. Kenny Hill transferred. Next year, Kyler Murray comes in. Kyle Allen gets hurt. Kyler starts playing. Kyler doesn't get along with the coach. Three top ten quarterbacks gone in two years. And the way the transfer portal is now, it's more very likely. I don't think half these guys make it past the spring game. No, I, I agree with that part. I, I think I think uh, Devin Brown's gone. I think Lincoln Keenholz is gone. Um, I mean, you got to read the room a little bit. Aaron, I, I'm still all in on Aaron Nolan after this year. Um, you know, so I agree with Russell as to why um, did we bring in another quarterback? And then obviously, I stick to the fact that. Uh, you know, we're, we still should build, be building up that offensive line depth because apparently 
Um, the guys that we have as backups weren't better than the guys that we had as starters, and we had one of the worst offensive lines in college football last year. Um, so maybe we should be trying to, you know, focus on that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Russ. I think that uh, Brown and Keenholz both are gone after the spring. Um, you know, that's just – that's I guess that's just the nature of college football at this point. Hell, I won't be surprised if Will Howard's gone by spring game. Nah, not a chance. Maybe after. Not a chance. Will Will Howard, I think he's kind of, he's he's shown that he's 100 percent committed by by making the comment about Michigan. So my thing is, guys, like when I first saw this, I thought, okay, I like I like having some competition. But then my next thought is, how in the world are you going to evaluate five guys at the quarterback position to figure out? who the hell your top two or even top one is. At least two of them are going to quit. What if they don't? Well, Devin Brown better get us Taysom Hill on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't see any way that at least one and, and probably two don't leave. Um, or... I just – unless you're – unless you're happy with whatever money you're getting NIL wise and you're not going to be able to get that anywhere else. And you're just kind of writing it out. Uh, but at that point, if you're just writing it out, then you're probably not playing anyway. Um, I mean, I just don't, I just don't see how a couple of these guys don't peace out. I mean, Nolan could decommit still since we got saying like, who knows? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and if I think if we lose Aaron Nolan, I think that that's uh you know, that's just another another line in the long line of things that I think Ryan Day, the only way he can uh, erase that list is by winning a national championship. Yeah. I also figured, like, if we take a picture of those five quarterbacks right now, maybe, like, next year or two years from now, they can show that quarterback room like they show the 2013 Redskins coaching staff with Shanahan and all them because they'll all just be balling all over the country and none of them will be on our team. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and yeah. I thought you were going to go a different way with that. Um, you know, maybe that they you know, take a snapshot of the quarterback room and in four, you know, three or four years, um, you know, maybe only two of those guys are, are worth a hill of beans. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think you can go either way. But, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, to Brett's point, um, you know, I'm all for if, if you can afford to bring that, that, those type, that type of talent in and have a competition I'm all for, you know, having those guys on the roster. But like I said, I, the bigger problem offensively is, you know, the offensive line. You know, we've got the best running back room in the country. We've got probably the best wide receiving room in the country. Quarterback room's pretty stinking good. But, again, I go back to Coach Jerome's thoughts. Who the hell's going to block for him? Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. So – to me, this season's got 2008 written all over it. The only difference is Todd Beckman didn't transfer. He got benched after week three. They had a lot of returning pieces that year. Boy. I kind of thought that'd be the case this year, though, this past season. Uh, we had the quarterback for a year, lost one game. Everybody hated him. Peace out. And then, like, you don't count Nolan – or you count Nolan as prior. Everybody wants a new shiny thing. If McCord stayed for three games, looked like crap still. 
or in an 08 situation. I mean, I I like to be negative, Russell, but damn, what you're sending us back to the John Cooper days. No, that was Trussell. That was your boy. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm well aware, but with with the way you've got us trending, or I should say Ryan Day's got you feeling, my lord. Huh? See it as I see it, man. <laughs> <laughs> my lord. I'm gonna watch, but yeah. <laughs> All right, we got any other Buckeye news, Buckeye football news we want to get into? Yeah. Uh, I guess we will get into – let's get into basketball, guys. And let's just have a little bit more negative. We'll get into the men's hoops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know this is, I know this is where Corbin wanted to go. Played on Saturday, knocked off the Nittany Lions 79-67 at the shot. Um, Gale, Roddy Gale. And that Mahaffey guy that I can't stand to watch sometimes uh, led the way with 16 points each. Uh, the Buckeyes shot pretty well from two, poorly from three. Um, ended up being enough to get a good win. Uh, Corbin, what did you think about the performance uh, against Penn State Saturday? You know, what I actually liked about the Penn State game was our commitment to going inside. Uh, you talked about, you know, and it's kind of been a running theme all year, our lack of an ability to shoot from behind the three-point line. And, you know, Brady likes to say, oh, how hard is it? I mean, I, I can't do it. Um, according to legend, you know, you you could do it, Brett. And Brady was a pretty good shooter. But, you know, three of 18 from behind the three. But we got a lot of our points from going inside. Um, I don't know what the points in the paint were exactly. Wow, oh, we had 40 points in the paint compared to their 24. I mean, obviously, there's the difference. And it's always nice when you start out, you know, a 16 nothing lead. But, uh, yeah, I mean, second half, and it's going to be the story when you bring up the Nebraska game, um, uh-huh. is defense. I mean, just Ohio State's defense is not good. You know, you, you give up 48 points at home to Penn State uh, in the second half, is, it's, that's, that's atrocious. Yeah, Russ, you got anything on the Penn State game? Uh, saw that Wayne Trey shirt behind the bench. That was kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah we figured that out me and corbin were eddie cross yeah no they look good saturday and then yeah last night yeah well, yeah lead us right it. into the nebraska game won't you russ <laughs> uh it was close for about what the first 10 minutes they came back in the second half, and then they hit that part where they don't want to make shots for 10 minutes. Yeah, I just wish we only played like 25, 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Maybe it would be a lot better. <laughs> so, so, I, so I had the – But we got to be able to – got to be able to pick which 25 or 30 minutes we're playing then. Well, that's true too. So I had the uh, – I had a game on my sports, uh, Wayne Trace and uh, Delphus Jefferson girls, so I didn't get to watch it. Um I have since watched the the highlights and the replay on on the YouTube. Hey, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You and Scoop did fabulous, by the way, as always. Go ahead. <laughs> I appreciate that. But uh, so was able to catch up on the YouTube. Um, but I mean, it, it, again, it's the same story. If you look through the box score, um, you know, eight of twenty three from three point, and then you look at Nebraska, fourteen of twenty six. You know they. They don't do a whole lot out there in the Midwest other than, you know, supporting us with those blue-collar jobs and a lot of cornfields. But 
man, could they shoot the three pointer last night or what? That's, and not only that, that but that's this dude, holy crap! But but this masked fella, the yeah, dude comes him. in after, and and I I would like to understand. Can somebody please explain to me? You know, I know Ohio State's defense is really bad. I get it. I, I'm, but how does some random schmuck on everybody's team, somebody that nobody's ever heard of, just goes off night after night after night against Ohio State? This guy went off for 34. He came in averaging just under 15. Oh, he was hitting step backs, man. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was getting updates on my phone. It was like they said the dude was shooting like he was in the NBA, just wherever he wanted to go. He was he was knocking them down. He looked like Beckman out there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't wear a training bra though. Can we talk about his training bra he had on? <laughs> Russell, did you see that? Uh, I gotta admit, I had two TVs going, and the Ohio State game was on the tiny one. Okay, well, I'll tell you, this dude sweats like no other. And Nebraska wearing them home whites. I saw he had a black undershirt on. And then when they zoomed in on him, I'm thinking, man, that thing cuts off right below his nipples. <laughs> so I'm not real sure why he had it on or, or what it what the purpose serves, but it, it looked like he had a training bra on. So I kind of got curious during those, that game too. And Corbin, you follow more than I do. Does Holtman ever try to develop his players, or does he just hope they're good? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want to be critical of the development because it's to me it's been kind of hard because the guys that um, you know develop throughout the year. So I'm looking at the uh, the Branhams and um, sons of the ball. Yeah, and Bryson. Now those guys are good. Don't get me wrong; they were good coming in. But they got both of those guys got better as the year went on. Was it from just playing? Maybe. All right. But those guys should still be here for another year. And instead, we've got to continue to reload. Now, with that said, I think Zed Key's really taking a step back. I don't know if it's the, you know, the weight that he lost. Um, you know, I don't want to be critical of anybody that's doing better for their health. Uh, but I, I don't know. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think Felix Akpar has improved. I think he's playing some of his best basketball. Um, I think his offensive game's gotten better. Um, but then if you want to continue to go through the list, I think Thornton's kind of teetering on that. Um, is he improving? Is he staying the same type uh, track? So, I mean, I, I think that Chris Holtman's a, a good coach. Um, but I think whatever he's trying to sell at Ohio State's gone stale, yeah. if that makes sense. I I think he's a good coach. I think – you know, if and when we let him go, um, I think he could, you know, go coach somewhere else and be just fine. But I, I just, I think he's kind of, you know, his message has gotten sour. Yeah. So the reason I ask is because, like I said, I had two TVs going. I was watching the Kentucky-South Carolina game at the same time. Somehow both were miserable. Anyway, you know who was on South Carolina balling the entire time? Who's that? Michi Johnson. Yeah, I, I've always wondered why he left. Uh, I think he, I think it ended up like they talked about it being a hardship type transfer, if I remember. Um, you know, I don't, I don't ever. I, I think it was a. Uh, they talked about a mental health thing or whatever. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I've always liked Michi. I thought Michi was, I thought Michi was good um, when he was with us, and I thought he was getting better when he was with us. 
But look at the rosters that he was on. Who was he going to play? Who are you going to play him over? I don't know. I'm just, mm, I don't know. I mean, uh, were there more minutes to go around? I, I don't know. Maybe, but you know, on the roster when he was when he was at Ohio State, who are you going to play him over? Not to mention when he came to Ohio State, he was still only 17 years right. old. Right, he was a senior season. in high school. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying, um, and and you I I get it. You're taking a shot at the development thing, and that's. I think it's fair, um, but but that's what I mean is is you know Holtman played who I think were the best players. So you're talking, um, you know, the Sensibles and the Branhams, and if those guys are on the floor, then you know you can only play four other guys. And Michi Johnson's a point guard, and Michi Johnson reclassified, and is a year behind everybody else. Right. I think Russell brings up a good point, though, Corbin, because here's something I'll throw at you. So take take Duke, for example. Um, Coach K leaves. I know John Shire just steps in, takes over. You know, Coach K retires. But a guy like Jeremy Roach, um, still on the roster, I think this is his third or fourth season. Like, why, why at Ohio State can we get guys – like, we don't have a guy better on our roster than Jeremy Roach. So – why can't we get guys to stick around if they're not that good? I I think that's a fair question, and that's one that I've always wondered. Um, but it's not like they're, you know, transferring. Like it's not like they're leaving to transfer. You know, right. the, the guys that are good are leaving to go to the NBA. You know, so you know, going back to to the Michi Johnson comment, um, you know, Michi came in reclassified as a, um, you know, younger <laughs> freshman. Branham was just a freshman, so if you're both going to play the same spot and you're both the same class, Michi may have been thinking, hey, Malachi's going to stick around, you know, at least a year or two. I'm going to go somewhere else and play. You know what I mean? Because, you know, on that team, you still had Justice Suing. You had Kyle Young. Uh, Liddell was on that. And there was just no minutes to go around, not to mention that you had brought, uh, uh, shoot, uh, Jamari Wheeler from – uh, Penn State, who was a you know a grad transfer, so you know I think that Michi Johnson was going to be a fine player at Ohio State. I liked him, but I think it was a situation where you know he was having to play behind some guys, and you know as a young kid, if you can go somewhere else and play, I'm not going to stop you. I'd like for you to stay, but I, I get that. It just it just seems like. <clears throat> seems like the better coaches or the better programs can convince their guys that maybe aren't ready to leave for the NBA or for the next level can get those guys to stay. Now, and this is now today's day and age, um, you know, what kind of ability do, do the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world have in regards to, you know, NIL money? You know, we see it happening with Ohio State football, um, you know, and I think that that 13 million number is kind of light. But, uh, you know, you see it with football. Some of these guys could have gone to the NFL and, and, you know, gotten a pretty good paycheck, yet they're coming back, you know, and I'd like to think that they're coming back because they, you know, they want to beat Michigan and they want to win a national championship and win the Big Ten and all that. But, you know, if you can flash some dollar signs and keep them around for another year, I mean, again, I'm not trying to defend Holtman or, or anybody in that situation, but, um, to be fair, you've got to look at it from, you know, multiple angles. You know what I mean? No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. 
maybe we need to just start feeding more money into the basketball program then. Yeah, where's where's Malachi Branham's money and and uh, Bryce Sensible? Where's this EJ Liddell? Hey, come back, be like CJ Stroud and funnel some of this money back. Well, we need to get that. <laughs> we gotta have somebody get there first to make. Well, well he still got Mike Conley. What's Conley doing now? Greg Oden's probably still working on that uh, rookie deal. Yeah. Conley's <laughs> not playing tonight. He's sick. He got the vid. I don't know. It's that illness. I was getting ready to watch, and then they said he was out, so I changed the channel. Uh, gotcha. Russ is a big Mike Conley guy, Corbin. Well, I like Mike Conley. I, I just I'm just throwing names out there. But uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at with with the the basketball team. I'm still going to turn it, tune in, and watch. And you know, it is what it is. At the end of the day, I, I'm I'm ready to cut ties with Chris Holtman. But um, you know, I, I still think that he's a fine coach. I just think that his time here is is done. Okay, I agree. Twenty four wins though, right? Yeah, I'm I'm still on that. I I'll I'll own it. How many Two more, more we games need? left in January? Two more games in January. Then we'll, we're, we're only 11 short. Oh. Okay. We still, still get doable. there. Just, just got to get hot. Just just got to figure something out. Maybe play defense. Hell, I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah. Good thing. You know what they need? They, next game, I need. Next game we turn on, I need to see Jim Knoll sitting right next to, to uh, Chris Holtman on the bench and say, hey, we're going to play a little – we're going to play a little zone defense. We're going to play a little Buckeye defense here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to dial up the old Buckeye defense. Maybe get Sonny Style. I'll give PB a shout out. Maybe we get the uh, projected Big Ten player, defensive player of the year out there, play some defense for oh, he, Buckeye basketball. Hey, he can hoop now. I watched you down <laughs> state tournament. He can hoop. Him and Devin Royal are on the same team. Bring him on. <laughs> Sometimes I think, I, I think he could help us. <laughs> anyway enough about the buckeye hoops the men's hoops let's talk about the ladies they played last wednesday knocked off maryland 84 76 um don't have to go through that whole game i want to get to sunday though number two iowa comes to the shot sell out crowd eighteen thousand plus Buckeyes went in overtime, 192. Cody McMahon leads the way, 33 points, 12 boards. J.C. Sheldon <laughs> adds 24 <laughs> points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Caitlin Clark goes for 45, and she is now being fined with flopping after the game. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just go right there. What did you guys think about the, the court storm and then Caitlin Clark getting ran into by the fan and just – Saying in her press conference, I believe she used the term um, seriously injured, got smoked, or got mauled, or something to that effect. So, what did you guys think about that? I'll tell you what, um, I obviously didn't watch the game, but I did see that highlight. And uh, based on her stat, box scores, and stat lines, and the ability to flop there, I think the Pistons get themselves a pretty good pick with the first draft. <laughs> oh russ what do you think yeah i think if you uh zoom in on the audio you can hear her yell lebron after she makes contact with that fan <laughs> now here we go but uh so i watched the whole second half i was on the my phone watching the first half brett you had family things right 
Yeah, I caught part of the first half, caught the third quarter a little bit, and then listened to the rest on the radio. Yeah, yeah it was crazy because well, I think it was with like nine minutes left. They were down 12. I gave up. I didn't know any better. You haven't watched the Lady Buckeyes enough, though. They don't quit. Yeah, well, Corbin, you would appreciate it. The comeback started when they came out of the timeout and Mo Bama was playing. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I We have figured out the Ohio State men's basketball problem. They do not play Mo Bama enough. Pretty much. Exactly. Well, the big part was on the defensive side when the coach said, you know what, screw foul trouble. I'm going to start by starting five, and they locked down on everybody. Then McMahon was going off. Sheldon made threes, got to overtime. And then uh, Nikola Sakova hit that three to go up six, and it was over after that. Anyway, back to Caitlin Clark. So, guys, I got some mixed feelings on it. Number one, Court Storm has been going on since the beginning of basketball, I feel like. But not only that, she is – the best women's basketball player right now, obviously. One of the biggest stars in men's or women's basketball, I believe. She's got State Farm commercials. She's got State Farm commercials. Why in the world can we not just make sure that she's got people around her to get her off the floor? I mean, yeah. you see it in the NBA. You see it everywhere else. I mean, why can't we just do that? So I do think I do think Ohio State dropped the ball in a way. Um, but on the other hand, get your head up when you're running. You could see that fan run on the floor and you could stop. And I think she flopped. I think she got hit. Yeah. But I think she flopped. I don't well, think the fan got hit head. too. She kept trucking. Well, yeah, she was trying to make a TikTok or something. Yeah, well, she went viral. I mean, I go back to the go back to the one one of the things that I remember from my basketball playing days. It wasn't a whole lot, but go figure. It involves defense, and you know when you get on the helpline, you <laughs> have you, when you get on the helpline, Brett. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've got to get your head on a swivel, right? You got got to find oh, the yeah. ball. You got to get to your man. You know she's a good enough basketball player that she's got to have her head on a swivel. Be aware of the situation. You know you're the number two team in the country. You got beat. Fans are coming on the floor. It's been it's has happened for yeah. however long. Just pretend like you're on the helpline, head on a swivel, find the ball, find the fan, and get out of the way. Uh, and it's not like it happened right when the storming. She was like the last person to come onto the floor, and she ran into her. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't feel bad. Yeah, I laughed. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad. Well, if it makes her feel better, South Carolina got fined a hundred thousand dollars last night for storming the court. What they? Who they beat? Kentucky. Really? Like I said, I was miserable last night. Is that an SEC thing or what? Yeah, it's an SEC thing. Yeah, don't you remember when uh, remember. Tennessee stormed the field and tore down the goalposts? They said, we'll gladly pay whatever fine you want to pay or whatever you want to charge against us. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm the damn. Next thing you know, their goalposts are floating down the river. Yep. <laughs> it has a flotation device. <laughs> Put that on your boat. <clears throat> all right, well, that's all I got on the Lady Buckeyes. Big win. Now Very big. Number now they're up to number 12 in the nation. They're on Peacock tomorrow night. I'm going to tune into that one. More basketball news, and then we're done. NBA. 
I know how much Corbin loves this topic too. Same. Uh, Monday night, Joel Embiid franchise record seventy points against Wimby and the Spurs. Uh, do you guys see this? What do you think about it? How are you seven four and you can't block somebody? Does blocking have to do with points? Or at least putting your hands up to where he can't make it. He was literally just backing him down. Man, he's like five pounds, though. So. Too soft. Soft. That's how. Too soft. Yeah. Corbin, you got anything to add? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Okay. Special. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll add is because somebody pointed it out. Uh, that was uh, that was the same anniversary as when Kobe dropped 81. Yep. And Cat almost caught. Embiid and they blew an 18 point lead against the Hornets for him to try to catch him and the coach wasn't happy about it <laughs> yeah I heard I saw that too speaking of the Bucks, though since you brought it up well this will segue nice into <laughs> what we're talking about next we've been ahead. talking about Bucks since we started <laughs> you talk about meet the same boss same as the old boss tell me what the difference is between the previous coach and the now new coach. Uh, to okay. quote Jason Boost Miller, ring. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, it sounds like uh, so, a couple of the players were were talking and they thought that uh, he had lost the team. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily know how the, you lose the team's respect when you're, what are the 30 and 16? 30 and 13 or 30 and 13. Yeah. I don't mean, I I don't understand that. I don't either. I don't care. You know, if you were, if you were, uh, the Detroit Detroit Pistons, I mean, I I guess I could understand where is it Monty Williams. Now I could see where he would, uh, you know, maybe have lost the team, you know, maybe during that 28 game losing streak, you know, at some point, maybe somebody's like, uh, maybe we should try something different, but hell, you're <laughs> thirty and and thirteen. You're were they? Did I see that they were second in the in the uh, standings? Yeah. I mean, what what what's going on? Yeah. So they fire Adrian Griffin Tuesday afternoon, and then today, a day later, they hire Doc Rivers. Yeah. For those that don't know, to our listeners that don't know, and I don't know how many people care right now about the NBA news, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, Corbin. I don't really know why. That was the topic of discussion. So, yeah, Milwaukee Bucks. And then last thing I want to get into, uh, Miami Heat acquired Terry Rozier from Charlotte for Kyle Lowry and protected 2027 first-round pick. Uh, Guys, I kind of like this move, and I know you guys don't care a whole lot about the NBA, but – I'm a huge fan of Scary Terry. I think he's legit, and so I think this is a big. I think this is a big get for Miami. Uh, I know Terry Rozier's made some money for me when I bet his props. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's that's about all I got on that one. Is he much of an upgrade from Lowry, though? He's younger and he's better. I think. What's Kyle Lowry done since he helped uh, Kawhi win a championship in Toronto? Almost helped Miami win two championships. Yeah, but he didn't. Mm. Take a break. We come back. We're going to get in to some NFL talk. 
Check out Tenora Rams Live. Live events broadcast on YouTube and post-game results, articles, schedules, and more can all be found on TenoraRams.com. Are you wanting to put that finishing touch on your landscaping to set it apart from the rest? Or maybe you just need a gift idea for that hard-to-buy four-person in your life? Give Blake and Tiffany a call with Sin Rock Engraving. They offer custom engraved rocks that will be one of a kind. They will walk you through the process of picking out your rock and customizing it with anything from names, addresses, businesses, or images of your choice. Give them a call at 419-796-9897 or check them out on Facebook, Sin Rock Engraving, 419-796-9897. Everyone knows about Pucker Brush Pizza. If not, get on board for fantastic fresh cuisine. You know, pizza, calzones, quesadillas with handcrafted queso, soups and salads too. Like them on Facebook and check their website for hours and online menu. PuckerBrushPizza.com. Pucker Brush Pizza in Payne at 117 East Marin and 114 South Main in Antwerp. Put these numbers in your phone. 263-2626 in Payne and 506-2002 in Antwerp. Big city taste at a small town price. It's Pucker Brush Pizza. Back here across the field. Let's get into the NFL, guys. And we already touched on Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. Uh, Russell, I'm going to start now with your Bengals. OC, Mr. Callahan, heading to Tennessee, the way it sounds. What do you think about that? Uh, if I was going to lose an OC, I'm glad it's him and not Lou. Was it Lou, the, the DC? Yeah, and Arumo. I'm glad he's still... I'm pretty sure he's going to stick around. His name hasn't came out once for coaching this year. Last year, he was a hot commodity, and this year with Harbaugh and everybody coming up and Belichick getting fired, nobody's talking about Lou, so stay. All right. Uh, we already named our replacement, so. Who's that? We just uh, promoted the quarterback coach, uh, Dan Pitcher. So, he must know a thing or two about throwing the ball, so. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh-huh. I'm sure Zach Taylor calls the plays anyway. So, so that was my first thought when they hired him. I thought, so you moved on from Mike Vrabel to bring in a guy to be your head coach that doesn't do anything anyway. I mean, Taylor was just a quarterback coach. Who? When we hired Zach Taylor, he was just a quarterback coach. I don't even think the Rams technically had an offensive coordinator on their coaching staff. I'm just saying, you got a guy like Bill Belichick in the fold out there. I mean, why wouldn't you at least try to get that done? I don't know. Pete Carroll? You got, you got Pete Carroll. You got Jim Harbaugh. I mean, my goodness. list goes on and on. You you bring up this, I don't even know his first name, Callahan guy. It's, uh, do you remember Bill Callahan, the old Nebraska football coach, took over for yeah. Tommy Osborne? Or, uh, I'm sorry, I think he took over for uh, Frank Solich. Yeah, yeah after he got kicked son. Yeah. So what's that mean? I mean, I'm just, you know, throwing out, you know, where the tie, I, I guess, where his, where his connections are. Yeah, uh, Brian I, Callahan. I think this, this connect tire, <laughs> Brett, goes back to what uh, what we talked about last time about these these NFL franchises hiring these younger guys that uh, they can have a little bit more control over. Yeah, well, how long before he's out? Two years? Uh Three. All right. That's the AFC South. I'm just saying, I just think this is a... Dumb? Yeah, they shouldn't have fired everyone in the first place. Anthony Richardson about about to take over the AFC South. Okay. Not if CJ's got anything to say about it. 
Never heard of him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Any other news you guys want to get into? I think that was about it, coaching carousel-wise. Okay. All right, let's get into our recap over the weekend, divisional round. Start right with the first game, the Ravens. Knock off Houston, 34-10. to 10. Dominating second half. The Texans were awful. Defense that we talked about, Corbin, last week, improving a little bit. Uh, did not improve, in fact. And the only time the Texans scored was on a punt return. Special teams kicking in, though. I, I'm sure you appreciated that, Corbin. But uh, what would you guys think about this? Uh, I think Baltimore got it right when they replaced Flacco with uh, Lamar, and Houston proved it. <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, tie game at halftime. Um, you know, the adjustments that were made by Baltimore maybe shows that experience um, that Baltimore has on the coaching staff. I don't know as far as talent-wise if the teams are that much different. Um, obviously, Lamar Jackson going to be, you know, league MVP. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if Baltimore's, you know, 24 points better than Houston and a half, you know, all the time. It's just one of those things where uh, Houston couldn't get anything going coming out of, of the locker room. I, I think I saw a stat that said that Houston didn't run a single play inside the Baltimore 25. I mean, you talked about how their offense was bad, but, I mean, that's that's incredibly bad. You know, on the flip side, an outstanding defensive performance. Um, you know, that's that's the biggest thing that you need to have in this late in the season. Hey, Hal, we'll move on. Uh, nightcap on Saturday. Brock Purdy gets the 49ers win, finally puts together a drive after he was just terrible the whole game. Uh, Niners knock off Green Bay uh, 24-21. What did you guys think about this? I'll tell you what, I was on uh, the podcast last week. I had Green Bay winning this. I thought that, uh, you know, they for for three quarters, man, they looked really good. Um, and like you said, you know, Purdy finally able to put a drive together when he needed it. Um, you know, score, obviously the Niners win. Uh, but, but I thought that Green Bay was the better team. Or at least they played that way uh, Saturday. Yeah. They lost that game. The Niners didn't win it. That doesn't matter. Goes down as a win. And Corbin went one, Corbin went one and three last week, and I went four and zero. Oh. That's the difference. Yeah, <laughs> that I, is the difference. Yeah, San Francisco <laughs> beating Green Bay, big shocker. Well, you see, Same, Brett, we've seen this episode before. Russ. Brett Brett <laughs> dove down the rabbit hole a little bit, and he's a little bit deeper into the conspiracy theories than I am, and clearly he is all invested in the the Niners Ravens Super Bowl because of the Super Bowl color conspiracy that's no 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 and I was nope. just no it's all right Brett you ain't you ain't you ain't fooling nobody now I'm I'm on to your games. No because if you go back I picked the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. So for that to be true we needed like an all red logo and we don't have that. Man, yeah, I, can't, I can't wait for you to hear you pick the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Ravens here in a little while. Well, well, you might as well mark it down now. <laughs> uh, All right, let's move into Sunday. Detroit Rock City knocks off Baker and the Bucks 31-23. Had some family things going on. Had a birthday party to attend to, so caught some of this game, but I wasn't 
solely invested. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on this game. I would have been a lot more invested had Green Bay knocked off San Francisco, Brett, because you were on record as saying we mm-hmm. were headed to Detroit this yeah, weekend. We'd, we'd have been heading to Detroit on Sunday. Yeah. Um, oh, please. You wouldn't have got anywhere. You wouldn't have made it to Antwerp going north. I don't think I would have. Just another outstanding performance from Jared Goff. Um, you know, he you know threw for was a two eighty five or something like that. A couple of touchdowns, sure. doing doing just enough offensively. Um, I mean, what can you say? Mm. Yeah, but that he took the words right out of my mouth. It was an extremely. It, it, it's it, his performances have been very close to like uh, being a microcosm of the city of Detroit. Just blue collar lunch pail type stuff to go get the job done. And actually, what I kind of got out of it, I mean, obviously, happy for Detroit, great story, but everybody was giving Tampa flack for giving Todd Bowles a job after Arians retired. Now you throw Baker in there, and they're not that bad of a team. No, just think how they'd be with a competent quarterback. Yeah, according <laughs> to CJGJ. <laughs> well, how do you think the Browns would have fared if they would have kept Baker? About um, as good as they did now. Yeah. First round exit. Uh, yeah. So they are the, who we thought they were. No, that's the Bears. No. Oh. But yeah, that, that could apply for Cleveland too. I'll get yeah. And any Corbin Ohio won. team ever. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into Sunday night. I guess Sunday evening, early evening, this game. Uh, took place. The Chiefs knock off the Bills 27-24. This is the most watched divisional game in NFL history. Over 50 million viewers. <laughs> what did you guys think of this game? So, I don't know if you guys realize, but before this game, did you guys know that they played this exact game two years ago? I'll be darned. I didn't hear that. Yeah, it was crazy. Apparently, it was a really good game. Yeah. Is this like the third or fourth time? Third. Yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. You know what happened after that game that everybody talked about? What's that? The uh, Chiefs lost in overtime the very next week. I'll be darned. Yeah. I did see a stat, or I thought of it. If you beat Josh Allen in the playoffs, you're almost guaranteed to lose the next round. Really? Yeah, I say almost because it hasn't happened yet this week, but every time, yeah. All right. Even back when you were a Texans fan the first time. Yeah, well, I'm back. Me and JJ yeah. are both. Me and JJ are both back. Uh, yeah, so I put the game on mute like five seconds in, but that was a good game. Didn't want to listen to Tony, huh? Nah. Right. I'm pretty sure the last time I haven't been on here for a year was because the last time I made you edit out everything I said about Tony Romo for an hour. Okay. <laughs> Corb, what did you think? Well, I got. Uh, I'm going to climb up on the soapbox again here. Uh, All right, I love the soapbox. Uh, and I'm going to ask for your guys' opinions. Um, obviously, it was you know it was a really good game, back and forth game. Um, you know, it's it's devastating for Bills fans to see another field goal go wide right. Um, but I think the bigger picture here is go back to uh, late. I'm sorry, early fourth quarter i think it was late third quarter early fourth quarter um where they had the fumble the fumble that went into the end zone yeah yeah and they obviously gets called a touchback bills take over 
So the problem that I have is that there seems to be a growing sentiment that if the offense fumbles the football through the end zone or, or they through get the back, back of the end zone, that they that people want the offense to get the football back. Uh, you know, obviously the play's over, the down counts, but they want the football back to the original starting uh, line of scrimmage and for the offense to not be penalized anymore for fumbling the football into the back of the end zone. You know, I'll start. I'll start. I'll start. <laughs> I think that is asinine. Football was invented with an offense and a defense, and the defense's job was to keep you out of the end zone. If you reach the football out or they cause a fumble and it goes into the end zone, I 100% believe that that, that should be a turnover, and we're going the other way. Yeah. I mean – what in tarnations? I mean, people that just want this thing to be changed and the offense retains the football, that is just blasphemy to me. I'll add on top of that, how come it has to take some Bills-Chiefs game to make a new rule? Every time there's a new rule the past few years, it's an outcome of this game. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I won't I be surprised if offensive offsides isn't a thing next year. <laughs> So I don't. I mean, I obviously nothing will be decided until the off season. But based on tweets that I've read and Facebook posts that I've seen, um, it, and and we're not talking like you know it's just kind of rumblings. Like there's a serious movement uh, among the powers that be in the NFL to change this rule. And I agree a hundred percent with you, Brett. Obviously, it's not going to come at any surprise. Defense yeah. is already yeah, I'm just, hard I'm enough. Just floor, I'm just floored that you're going with this. <laughs> Defense is already hard enough. You know, you, the the uh, it's an offensive-driven dri- league. Everybody understands that because that's what people pay to see. I get it. Okay, but at what point? At what point do we just turn it into seven on seven or some form of that to where it's a race to a hundred? You know, because right now what. There's almost zero incentive to play defense because at one point, and and uh, I forget what I saw, but there was a tweet out um, about a particular hit um, that occurred, and I don't know if it was late in the year or in the playoffs, um, <laughs> but it said that, that the defender hit the offensive guy with the intention to injure him. Well, gosh dang, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that was defense. You wanted to play defense because you didn't want to get hurt because those defensive guys are coming to kill the offensive guys. 50, that was 60 football. years ago. That was 10 years but, ago, dude. But, I mean, but but that, that was football. I know. And now here we are. If the offense fumbles the football, you can have it back. Yeah. We we don't want to hurt your feelings. We want we don't want the fans to be upset. Sorry, Chiefs fans. Look, I, I know think... that you enjoyed it in 2020 when the Browns player fumbled it, and oh, Sorensen targeted that guy. But you guys got the ball back. But I'm sorry, it almost cost you a playoff game four years later. Hold on to the football or play defense. I'm with you. Yeah, it's stupid. Like I said, this uh, <laughs> game that everybody talked about two years ago. Oh, now each quarterback's got to have the ball in the postseason playoffs. 
I mean, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one either. Yeah, and what happened the very next week after that? Boom, Cincinnati comes to town. What's Mahomes do? First pass overtime, throws a pick. We went on a field goal anyway. Boom, mic drop. Bang. Money. Another week of the No Fun League wrapped up, though, Brett. Appreciate the recap. (laughs) Yeah, don't get me started on everybody calling Mahomes and Allen Manning Brady when – Burrow's five and one against both of them, but yeah. Yeah, that's great. Burrow should learn how to play in the preseason. Well, he's already off next year, so we're ready. Yeah, they've already ruled him out for the preseason of twenty twenty four. Yeah, no nothing shocking. Yeah, Burrow's turning into Ryan Leaf. Yeah, well before uh Brady starts running his mouth, I already know we're starting out 0 2, so shut up. <laughs> you had to get him going, didn't you, Corbin? Oh, it was easy. <laughs> Double B and the instigator. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's make our picks for this week, guys. And obviously, we only got two games. Trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Starting the AFC, the Chiefs heading to Baltimore, take on the Ravens. Baltimore, three and a half point favorite. This game is on CBS at three o'clock. I'll have this game on mute as russell mentioned i'm not listening to tony again uh russ who do you like in this game i already put 20 bucks on the chiefs to win the super bowl (laughs) so you like the ravens (laughs) i want the chiefs to lose so bad (laughs) but 50 bucks will make me feel better (laughs) so you're taking the chiefs yeah all right corbin so you like the ravens (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you well, like losing I, I, money uh, i am 100 percent all in on this conspiracy theory i'm a, i'm a huge conspiracy theorist myself no. uh, i i i uh i love a good one and and you know this whole uh super bowl colors and the logo thing i'm i'm all in one i think baltimore's better um but i'm not going to chance it anymore i i tried to give you the benefit of the doubt in the last couple weeks brett make you look good um, but I'm I'm all in with the conspiracy now. I'll, I'll take the Ravens in this one. They already know where I'm going. I'm taking the Chiefs. <clears throat> so we're split there. May the best man win. So I right. like the Ravens. I will uh, just to rewind since the Chiefs are still playing. I need Jason Kelsey in a suite partying with fans every primetime game now that he's retired. <laughs> You see him about Busty's ass when he jumped out the window there? Don't care. I need it on Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, Saturday nights. Just give me Jason Kelsey hammered drunk shirtless with fans. <laughs> Boy, his liver won't know how to function. Yeah, he's, he's fine. I bet he's in pretty good shape for that. He seems like a guy that doesn't really take a break, even though he's playing football. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I need that instead of Taylor Swift and all those oh, people. Yeah. You're going to get to Swift, whether you like it or not. Well, I j- fortunately, now Jason Kelsey's going to be there, too. Yeah, I will. All right, let's get, get into the NFC. Uh, Lions, Niners, San Francisco, seven-point favorite right now, 630 on Fox. Um, Corbin, you go ahead and start. Who do you like? Well, who do I like? I want some more Motor City Magic, but, uh, again – you know the rabbit hole. I am I am deep down into that head first. Give me the Niners. Um, maybe they squeak it by so the ratings look good. But uh, yeah, this this conspiracy. I'm I am all in. Give me the Niners. 
Russ. I don't know the way the Niners looked uh, Saturday, but we need Peyton back to give me a weather report for Sunday because I'm not sure if it's raining. It'll be close. Actually, oh, no, it'll be crazy either way, but it's supposed to be sunny and 75. Oh well, we might have a shootout on our hands, boys. No, nah, I don't know if it's supposed to be sunny and 75. I just gave you that. Yeah, I just I just got one question. What the hell happened to Chase Young? What do you mean? He got traded. Yeah, and Aaron Jones ran right at him all game. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Niners just because I want to go back to a few weeks ago when I when Corbin and I made our Super Bowl predictions. I said it was going to be the Niners and the Chiefs. So I'm riding with them, guys. I'm not going to change my mind now. Give me the Niners at home. Although, would not be upset to see Detroit win and get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wouldn't need that. It's funny because I don't. I, I want them to win, but I mean, Michigan's already happy. They don't need to be happy anymore. That's true. All right, take a break. Come back. We'll get into the high school hoops. Looking for a high quality detailing service? Check out Stoller Shine Detailing, located on the outskirts of Paulding. Stoller Shine Detailing has a variety of options for interior exterior detailing. Whether your ride is new, used, or abused, Stoller Shine Detailing strives for highest quality results and treat each vehicle as their own. To schedule an appointment, go to StollerShineDetailing.com or contact owner and operator Logan Stoller at 419-770-1042. Check out Stoller Shine Detailing on Facebook. Looking for the perfect fall outfits? Look no further. The Vaughn & Co. offers a stunning collection for women, men, and kids. Stay ahead of the fashion game by subscribing to our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vaughn & Co. to get all of the exclusive news, deals, and discounts, and product launches. Shop now on our website, www.thevaughnandco.com, before your favorite pieces sell out. Does your landscaping need an upgrade this year? Look no further than TNT Springer Landscaping. They specialize in mulch, rock, trim redesign, and much more. For your next landscaping project, choose TNT Springer Landscaping. Contact Tony Springer at 419-910-0742 to make your landscaping vision a reality. Back here across the field. And let's get into some high school hoops, guys. Let's start in the GMC this weekend. We'll start with the Edgerton Bulldogs as they welcome in the Fairview Apaches coming up on Friday night. Um, Corbin, let's go ahead and get your thoughts on this. Edgerton's two and eleven, zero and three in the conference. Fairview is five and six, one and one in the conference. Uh, maybe the second most competitive game. Um, not obviously the top of the the list of things, but uh, actually thinking through the GMC schedule this week. Um, I think they're all pretty good games uh, own, you know, in their own right. It's not necessarily, you know, obviously we're playing trace at the top. Um, but then after that, I mean, I think it, it really pairs up. Well, I think it'll be a good game. Um, you know, I think Edgerton and I, we talked about this uh, last week. Um, they're a team that uh, they force you to play clean basketball. You know, they're not going to outclass you by any means, but uh, they make you at least play honest um, you know, Fairview, uh, I think a little bit better than them. I mean, I, I'd say I'd take Fairview, I don't know, maybe by 10 points, 10 points or so. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting matchup. 
for sure. I think it'll be a fantastic game. Um, Edgerton, obviously, always going to play hard. Coming off um, that tough weekend uh, last weekend, losing to Paulding, and then lost to Montpelier on Saturday. Um, you know, both that Montpelier game, I think that was, that was that's one that they would like back, but um, going to play tough, and, and Fairview's got to come to them. So they always play pretty well in their in their building. So I think yeah. this will be a good game. I would say Fairview edges it out somewhere between five and ten points. Yeah, it'd be nice to know if Edgerton's healthy. I mean, I don't see them dropping that Mont- – I mean, I didn't see them dropping that Montpelier game. Um, no. But uh, you know, so it'd be nice to know if they're healthy or not. But, yeah, like you said, they do have to – Fairview does have to go to Edgerton. Um, and that's a unique place to play with the uh, with the stage there um, behind one of the baskets. So, yep. I mean, who knows? I mean, an off off night shooting wise, and Edgerton has an opportunity. Absolutely. Moving on, let's take a look at Tenora traveling to Ayersville to take on the Pilots, and I think this could be a pretty good game. Um, Corbin, what do you what do you like here? Uh, well, first off, certainly catch this one on Tenora Rams live. Um, Keith Brown and the guys, uh, they're sponsor us. We want to make sure we mention them as much as possible. Um, as far as the game goes, man, I think Tenora's an interesting, uh, squad. You know, they picked up a, uh, picked up a win against Stryker last week. Um, they were competitive against Kaleida earlier in the year. Um, you know, they, they gave Wayne Trace at least you know, a semblance of a game. Um, you know, Wayne Trace, I guess, didn't play a clean game. Maybe that's how you want to look at it. Uh, but on the other side of things, you know, with, with Ayersville, that's one team I haven't seen at all this year. I haven't seen either, you know, their boys or their girls. Um, so I'm not 100% sure what to expect other than just looking at box scores and things like that. Um, obviously, they're the better team record-wise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, Ayersville, tough place to play. I'll take Ayersville to win. Um, but again, you know, just another good matchup in the conference this week. Yep. I agree with everything you said there. Um, I think Ayersville gets the job done, but nevertheless, I think this will be a really good game. I think Tenora's got the ability, you know, we saw them against Wayne Trace last week. Um, they got the ability to score at times and, and get out and run a little bit. And so I think that's where maybe they could have an advantage over Ayersville, but, uh, yeah, this one, this one I think would be really good. I got Ayersville in a close one for sure. Uh, next game in the GMC, big one at the Palace. The Antwerp Archers heading over to Wayne Trace to take on the Raiders. Um, a game that has gone Wayne Trace's way the last three years, I believe. So, Corbin, I think you'll be on the call for this, if I'm not mistaken. What do you think? Yeah, I've got this one along with Scoop Miller and, and the Sheriff, Jason Landers. Um, you know, they, they pair me up with the best in the County to prop me up a little bit, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Wayne trace bounces back, you know, last time out. Um, I mean, no other way to say it. They just flat out laid an egg, um, you know, long road trip to Smithville, uh, Berlin Highland, obviously a really good team. You got to play some of your best basketball and they just didn't play very well. Um, you know, no excuses in regards to the bus ride or anything like that. Um, just wasn't a good game for Wayne Trace. They get to bounce back or an opportunity to bounce back at home. They get a double home weekend, um, you know, and then on the other side, Antwerp. Antwerp won three games after they ran into the, the buzzsaw that was Rushi. So, you know, 
you look at the schedule, it's not like they were tested. I mean, Edgerton, Fairview, and Lincolnview, um, you know, average teams at best. So it'll be interesting to see how Antwerp, you know, steps back up in talent wise or talent wise against a team um, as good as Wayne Trace. And then it'll be interesting to see what Wayne Trace does coming off that loss against Berlin Highland. And just, you know, for the record, you know, common opponent, you know, with Crestview, Wayne Trace, one of their two losses was against Crestview. Now that was at the Academy. Um, and, and Antwerp was able to, to beat Crestview at home. But, I mean, it should be a good game. should be a really good game. And I think it's going to decide the league championship. Yeah, I'm not going to make you pick there since you're on the call. <laughs> Give you the old Herbie treatment. <laughs> Russ, Russ, you got anything to add on this? Well, I know for a fact that, yeah, it's one Wayne Trace's way the last three years, but it hasn't been an easy three ways. No, absolutely not. Nail biters, sweating. How long has it been since you high stepped across the court? <laughs> <laughs> three years. Three years ago. Uh, I mean, obviously, when these two play, it's a big game. I mean, I look forward to it, and I go to maybe two games a year. So, pretty pumped up. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be a fantastic game, Corbin, and I think you nailed it on the head. Um, I think the conference comes down to this game. Um, I think Holding and maybe a couple other teams could play spoiler. Uh, thought maybe you put the jinx on the Raiders last week at Tenora before they went on a, a 17-0 run in the third quarter. Um, so I was I was getting ready to uh, get your live reaction from that if the upset was going to brew. But um, anyway, I think this will be a fantastic game. And I... Obviously, pulling for the Raiders just a hair, but I think it's going to go down to the wire like it has the last five, six years, whatever it's been now, just the back and forth. Um, so I think it's a close game. Uh, I just, I, I honestly, I want to see a good game by both teams. And, you know, I was talking with Coach Billman uh, last week, I believe it was. We had a text exchange, and, you know, I know their guys are going to be ready. He's going to have them ready to play. And, uh, obviously, Coach Linder is going to have his guys ready to play. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Raiders bounce back from, you know, that big loss to Berlin Highland on Saturday. But uh, nevertheless, I'm sure both practices were amped up this week, and we're going to get a good one Friday night at the Palace. And then the last game on the GMC slate, um, we've got Paulding traveling to Hicksville. Corbin, this is pretty interesting. A couple guys that were uh, – teammates at Paulding. I think they both graduated in 2011. Uh, squaring off against each other as head coaches. Um, this is going to be pretty fascinating. And we caught up with both head coaches. Uh, we're going to play those interviews for you right now. You're going to hear from Dylan Welch first and then Logan Stoller after that. Joining us now is Hicksville head basketball coach Dylan Welch. Coach, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Just leaving practice now. Uh, we've been having a pretty good week. One more day tomorrow to get better. Good deal. Thank you for joining us. Um, Corbin, you got, I'll, I'll let you get started. I'm sure you got tons of questions for coach Welch. Here. <laughs> well, obviously I got to see him, uh, against Wayne Trace and, uh, you know, I thought you guys were really well prepared. Um, you know, obviously Wayne Trace is just a really good team, uh, kind of hit some tough times here. You got a couple of games that, uh, I'm sure you thought were winnable, maybe got away from you. Um, you know, still some games that are winnable, 
you know, in the future here. Um, what are you guys trying to do to, to snap this losing streak you're on? I'm really just refocused. We're just getting back to the little details we got to get to. Like today we just worked on some pick and roll stuff that I think we need to get better at. Just little communication stuffs on the defensive end that we need to work on. Just being able to trust each other on that end of the court. I think offensively we're there. Defensively is just the thing that needs to be picked up. And I think we're better with the press, but we can't press really good teams like Wayne Drace and all that. So we've really got to be sound man-to-man team. Yeah, I noticed that you guys only go, what, about seven deep, really? I mean, with regular minutes. So, you know, obviously you want to press, you know, here and there, but um, conditioning, I'm sure, is, is a factor. Yeah, it gets um, North Central. We wore down a little bit and kind of fell off at the end. I'm trying to work a couple of sophomores in, and Luke Eicher and J.J. Avalos. We're trying to get those two to start rotating in to give the bigs and the guards a little more break so we can go a little harder for longer. Dylan, you took over this team uh, from Coach Tier, who had done it pretty well for 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Um, yeah, so taking over a program like that, I mean, what have you kind of incorporated to put your own touch on things? But, you know, where did, where did he leave the program for you? I'm, I'm sure it was in pretty decent shape when he got there. But just kind of talk about, you know, what you've kind of kept from him, but then put your own twist on things. Yeah, Tony did a good job building it, and he left up. Uh... What, bear, uh, the cupboard wasn't bare, but there wasn't a lot of minutes there. Brant Langham played a lot, but other than that, mostly JV kids. Um, he did a switching defense, which I was not in. It's not my principles. We start doing more of a pack line like Virginia does, so more help line, trap ball screens, things like that. Um, but offensively, there's still some there. He did more. He did a dribble drive motion, and we've incorporated some of that into ours. And then I kept around two of his assistants. So Dave Blue, my JV, he's been there forever. And then Michael Myers, he played under Tony and uh, been there. I think this is his third year. And then we kept the junior high coaches. And they do a really good job at that level. You know, one thing I forgot when, when I had you guys earlier in the year um, was you guys are playing without, you know, the Rosales kid. Um, and obviously he's, he's a pretty good player for you. Yeah, Javen's a really good player. Um, he averaged nine and three assists last year, I believe. He'd be a really big help. So that's one of the things we've had to overcome is this junior class has relied on him for their whole lives pretty much playing basketball. So they haven't really had to be primary ball handlers, make plays. He's done a lot of that for them. I think we're finally starting to get to the point. Austin Sanders had 16 points last Saturday against North Central. And Brant Brant Langham had seven assists. So I think they're really starting to learn their roles without Jaden and hopefully next year he can step in and we can continue to carry that over. Yeah. You only have what the one senior, if I remember the slaughtery kid. Yep. Braden's the one senior. Yeah. Certainly a, a bright future. Dylan, look at your record. You guys are three and 11, but you know, look back at the schedule. Like you mentioned, you were in uh, a lot of games. Uh, I've watched you against Wayne trace and I think against Antwerp um, Antwerp, a game you guys were in, uh, in the 49 classic and, and much, you know, that first half, even into the third quarter, but look at these other games you've lost. I think you've lost four or five games by five points or less. So what does that say about your team? Number one, and then number two, how do you kind of turn the tide and get these younger guys to maybe close down the stretch or what are you trying to instill in them to close down the stretch or maybe turn those loss, the close losses into wins? Yeah. Um, just looking back at it, 
game one, we played Fairview and they beat us by about 16. And then um, we played them again. They beat us by five where we had a chance. We were down four and we were making a little run and we kind of just fell short, just like we've done in a couple of games. So that's a tough one. But just from that, that game to the next Fairview game, how much we've improved is pretty remarkable. Um, looking back, Mount Pillar, we were up in the first quarter with a chance to win in the fourth. We made a little run. Brian, we did make our run, and we ended up winning that game. Game. Um, who else was there? Holgate, we took them to overtime with a chance to win at the end of regulation. Just countless games. Like, you just go run it through your head. Just think about things you could do different. The biggest thing we have to do is learn how to finish games, which I we've done with Brian. And then we've fallen short against North Central. So where we have to get better at is just consistent, see over all four quarters, not fall behind like we've been doing, start out well and then finish strong. Just the biggest thing is we've been trying to raise our basketball IQ, especially on the offensive end. I think we're getting there. We're starting to see the little things that help you win basketball games, but the defensive end, we're still a few steps behind. So that's my biggest thing is we have to be locked in defensively together and be able to get stops consistently and then be able to turn those into scores. And I think that's how the tides will turn by being able to pull away at the end of the games with stops, then buckets. D-Dub, I got two more for you. First one, obviously, you know, we've worked together. You know, I don't believe in moral victories at all. Um, you know, I, it, it's great that you, that you play them close, but what's, what's the one thing that you're trying to get your guys, um, to take away from, from these close games and not look at them and say, Hey, we played them close. Yay. You know, be excited about it. But you just talked about it. You've got to be able to finish. What's the one thing you're trying to get them to understand, you know, cause you've, you've, you've coached enough basketball, especially in the summertime, um, you know, you know what it takes to, to pick up some wins, especially in close games. So what is the, the one thing that you want those guys to understand? Yeah, just talking about moral victories. I talked about moral victories on Saturdays. Like, how many can you have in a season without just – I don't know how to put it into words, you know. Moral <laughs> victories are great, but, like, you want to win games. Right. Um, just the consistency throughout the game. We're really good at points, and then we're really bad at points. You have to be able to raise your floor where your floor is being able to play even with teams, and then your ceiling is where how you you uh, continue to grow your lead. Right now, we'll get a lead, lose it, get a lead, lose it, let them go on six to eight oh runs. Those are things that can't happen in basketball games. Those are really hard to come back from. It's like you're climbing a mountain, and you finally get to a top, to the top, and then you just fall back ten steps. And yeah, almost I, impossible to climb that mountain again. I hear you. But one thing I always like to, to remind our guys, um, you know, the game knows. And you talked about consistency. Um, you know, if you're if you continue to put the work in, the game's going to reward you. Um, you know, always always try to remind those guys, you know, that the game knows. Um, and then the last one for me, uh, you know, I got to see you go back to to Wayne Trace and, and coach where where Al coached. Um, you know, how, how was that? How did that feel? And then, um, you know, how's it going to feel going against Paulding? Um, Coach and Wayne Trace was special, but I didn't really have really time to think about it that day because um, our JV coach got sick mid-halftime of the JV game. So I had to coach the, finish coaching the JV game, then get right to the varsity game. So it didn't really cross my mind when I was coaching. 
but afterwards talking to my family and everything it was a pretty big deal and it was really special just to be there and be able to do that yeah and what about what about now you get to go against paulding for the first time as a head coach yeah that would definitely be different i coached there six years something like that coaching football coaching girls basketball there so it'll definitely be different my first opportunity to do that um they got a good good young squad uh the agler kid is playing really well i think he's one of the better players in the conference he can do a whole lot for him he gets to the rim hits shots and then blake roanhouse has really grown into his own i coached him in the summer him and grady barton i've helped out with aau and those two great kids from great families so i expect th those two to play well and then kane jones can do about everything on the court so i'm looking to hopefully get a win against the panthers but I'm going to enjoy coaching against them, see a bunch of familiar faces, and get after them. Yeah, this, Dylan, um, you know, this is your first year being a head coach. And this is Logan's first year being a first-year varsity head coach. So um, not only were you guys classmates, you were teammates. So is that something uh, you're kind of thinking about, or, or how special is that going to be, you know, coaching against Logan your first – both of your – both of you guys' first times facing off against each other. I mean, what, what's – can you anticipate the emotion that that's going to bring, or have you guys had some playful banner back and forth? I mean, how's that going? Well, me and Logan haven't really talked much this week. Um, I've been focused on getting our team better, but going back, me and Logan played a ton of basketball together ever since third grade, uh, sleepovers, all that, all that stuff. So definitely going to be different looking across the sideline, competing against them this time, but I'm looking forward to it. That's all I got. Corbin, do you got anything? Nope, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, D-Dub. Good luck, man. Yep, go Aces. Joining us now is Paulding head basketball coach Logan Stoller. Coach, how's it going this evening? Good. I can't complain, man. I got college basketball on my TV, talking basketball with you guys, and, I, and bourbon in my hands, so I'm living the dream. Heck yeah. Let's get after it. Corbin. I know you got some questions. Let's fire away here. Uh, I mean, all right. I'll, I'll go right back to where we <laughs> talked about last week. Um, obviously, a really good start for you guys. Um, we were really excited for you. And then, uh, you know, you get the Antwerp game. And, and I thought you guys maybe played a little bit under, um, you know, where you guys usually are. I don't think the 14 points um, is indicative of how much better Antwerp may or may not be. Uh, but yeah. kind of, you know, rough, rough patch since then. What is it, one of your last five yeah. games? Yep. Um, good win against Edgerton, though. I mean, you guys shot lights out. I was able to watch that on my sports. Uh, but then you turn around and kind of drop one to Delphus Jefferson team that I don't think, um, you know, nine out of ten nights are – I don't think they're better than you guys. So, you know, what what's uh, what's the message in this in this streak right now where you've only won one of your last five? Well, we knew, and I warned my kids too, coming into January, it's going to be a straight grind. And we – we knew we had a, a tough four-game stretch with Antwerp, Wauseon, Liberty Center, and then we followed that up with Edgerton right into our GMC ball for game two. But So that four-game stretch was tough for us, and we knew it was going to be one of those 50-50 nights. But uh, Delphus, I'd say that was just an off night, and we definitely – we can beat them, and I feel confident that we hopefully get a, real, a little bit of redemption. But um, it's, it's part of the process, man, like – Antwerp game like I said some nights we shoot good and it shows like that Edgerton game I think we shot 68 percent from two-point land and close to 40 from three-point land then I think Delphus night I'm pretty sure we shot under 30 percent I'm still waiting on stats to get back so it's when you're young and when you got a bunch of shooters on your team it's either you're on fire or you're cold and it just happened to be 
playing at Delphus and we didn't shoot the best. We were out our big man and they had a big man that was a post presence. And then not to mention playing on the stage is always a little bit harder on that smaller <laughs> court. Yeah, especially, I don't... especially when they zone you on the stage. Oh, dude, I tell you that that zone and that stage is like a, a perfect recipe for a disaster for any team traveling there, and then they got it figured out to a T. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. So, ahead, so I, I like I said, I was able to watch you guys against Edgerton, and you know, I don't, we don't need all the details, but but what is it? What does a normal practice look like for you guys? Because I'm not kidding that. Uh, there were times where I don't think you guys took a dribble and you got down the floor and there was a shot going up before everybody was on your guys' offensive side. Like, you guys are that fast. No, that's that's definitely at least my style of play and our style of play for the program this year, for this this year's roster. And and everybody wants to play fast, and the kids want to talk about it and be about it. So when I we first stepped in the gym coming uh, in November, I said, okay, if you guys want to, you want to play fast, we got to practice fast. So... We actually do a ton of full court drills. We transition every eight to nine minutes into a different drill, and then we compete and we tally winners and losers after every drill as well. So it's it's built just like our style of play, and it gets chippy. We push the ball and we get a ton of shots up. So I'm a direct believer in in practice how you play, and I tell the kids all the time it's not uh, practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice is what makes perfection. I'll tell you what, um, you know, if, if anybody wants some practice film, just turn on the, the Coach Carter practice scenes because I feel like that's what it is. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> yep. I firmly believe, and you got to, you got really, I, I try and have harder practices in games, and I keep stressing that. And I think Absolutely. we're going to find our groove coming up, but that's definitely our tempo, and that's exactly how we practice, is what you see. That's one thing I've kept up with you guys. You guys posted on Facebook, and then your, yourself, you share it. But uh, that King of the Jungle thing, I mean, how's that all work? I know you guys kind of tally points, as you mentioned, but is that like a week-to-week thing, and how's that work for you? Yeah, so what we do is that we pretty much compete in every drill across the board, and uh, we tally individual wins, we tally team wins, and we base our competitions not really directly off skill work. Sometimes it's about execution. It's about who hustles. Uh, and obviously that the, they get after it when you compete on the school board as well. So it's usually a good mixture of, of talent, uh, coachability, hustle, and just overall positive energy. So what we do is we tally them up, and at the end of the week, we usually present the top three or four winners for the week, and that's who our kings of the jungles are. And uh, I think that's – I like how it's going so far. And I'm pretty sure if you ask the kids, they're a big fan of it as well. It kind of just keeps things interesting and and goes to show that everything does matter and all the small details do add up to the big picture. I'm with Brett. Brett, I know you've got more, but I, I just – I see you guys post that stuff. I think it's outstanding. I, I think it's really cool. Yep. No, I, I love it. And I, Coach Beckman's all about it, and he's he's my big assistant. He's the one who actually does all Italian. He splits the teams up, and he stays on top of it. So I get to focus on just coaching basketball and keeping things moving. Yeah, I really like it, and I think it's I think it's working because not only do you see like the payoff on the floor, you know, on the weekends when you guys are playing, but um, it seems like every week you got a couple different winners up there. Yeah, well, that's the key. Is it's it's kind of funny. You got some new winners here and there, but then you you see some familiar faces. So I think it's a good representation of the same kids that you see up there are usually some of the same kids that get more of the minutes come Friday and Saturday night. So. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that the kids that want to compete, which is what our culture is all about, it'll work its way out. 
and I need more competitors and, and less players, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think you said it really well, and I was going to ask, um, but it's not always your best players. It's not always the guys that are getting all the minutes that that we're seeing pictures of. No, um, and I and I think you're sending an absolute, you know, the, the a right message, especially in today's day and age. You know, it's about working hard. Um, you know, we live in a society where I don't think hard work is is valued nearly as much. Um, so I I love the message that you're sending. No, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we we purposely set stats up that way that team accountability is put into perspective and we have players doing whatever it takes to win. So a lot of times if we have some non-shooters on the court and we're going five on five, you see those players diving on loose balls. You see those players setting a lot of flare screens so they can impact the game directly rather than just putting the bucket, the ball in the bucket, I should say. Just a couple things here, Logan. Uh, obviously, you know, we just, we just talked about, um, you know, the struggles a little bit. You're going to have that with, with a younger squad, new coach, um, but you turn your sights to Hicksville. Uh, Hicksville's scrappy. Um, I was able to see him against Wayne Trace, and I thought at least for a half they gave Wayne Trace, you know, a hard physical game. They just, you know, at the end of the day, they just got outclassed. Um, yep. You know, obviously you're familiar with with Dylan as a player, obviously both first-year head coaches. Um, you know, what what is it that you're uh, – what, what's the game plan, I should say? You know, one, for your squad, and then two – for you personally, you know, you get to go against a, you know, a kid that, um, well, I call you kids cause you're younger than I am, but you know, a guy that, you know, you share, you played a lot of basketball with growing up. Um, and you know, a lot of things off the, off the court as well. No, I, I think it's really cool. And the hats off to coach Welch cause he's got those kids dialed in. They're competing, they're playing hard and they're, they're a heck of a lot better of a ball team than they were when we played them in June ball. And I keep reminding them, that this is a team that wants to compete. The record doesn't show it. And just like that Delphus game, that doesn't really matter. So, but as far as the game plan goes, I think Hicksville, they play just like us. They want to get in your face. They want to press you. They want to speed you up. A little bit of run and gun. They got a lot of guard play. So I think it's going to be one of those fun games. It's going to come down to who's got the more grit on defense. And I think who has the less turnovers. And uh, it usually boils down to a little bit of shooting percentage as well. But us coaches always like to, to win the rebounding column and, and all the details outside of shooting because we can't control the shooting column. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of your guys. So um, I want to start with the sensational sophomore, Blake Roanhouse. I mean, I, I know he gets a lot of the glory uh, as he should, but man, I, just watching him, his pure jump shot is just, is just magnificent. I mean, and not only that, then he plays – uh, the defensive side really hard, handles the ball for you a little bit. So talk about maybe, you know, where, where you think he's at and, and going forward, where you think he could get to. I'll tell you what, that, that kid is, is wired different. He's a competitor. And when you talk about king of the jungle, that, that kid, he'll do whatever it takes. He'll motivate his teammates. He gets a little feisty, but it's in a good way. But as far as Blake Ronhaus goes, man, I can't say enough good things about him. His potential is off the charts. Uh, sometimes I got to remind myself he's still a sophomore. This is his first actual like quality minutes as a varsity player. And that's a lot of times I keep forgetting to remind myself that. And that's really impressive for the stats he's putting up. But he's one of those kids that his IQ is off the charts. Obviously, he can put the ball in the hoop. But what he does all around for the team is just things that don't show up in the stat column. And he he distributes the ball well. He's probably one of our better lockdown defenders. He loves to compete. He's built just like me, and and he's fun to watch, man. I, I I love watching him play, and 
He's uh, a work in the making, but that kid is in the gym longer than anybody in our program. And it obviously shows and it's going to continue to show. Brett and, and Logan, I don't know if you guys remember his dad, but I remember watching his dad play. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of the same. I mean, and it, I think it's a family thing. Um, yep. You know, I don't I don't remember his uncle playing, you know, Nate a whole lot, uh, but obviously went to school with Corbin. And, and I think it's just a, you know, a roundhouse thing, um, you know, certainly something that they can be proud of. Um, another kid that, that I'd like to talk about, and I know that Brett's a big fan of, um, you have the two seniors actually looking down your roster, very similar to Hicksville. You know, yep. they've only got the one senior. You guys have the two, um, you know, one with Titus Manns. Uh, but the, but Casey Agler, I mean, he's Brett talked about it with with Dylan. He might be one of the best players in the league. No, yeah, Casey, I've coached that kid since seventh grade as his junior high coach, and to be able to see him grow and and to see his confidence skyrocket is just one of those things that makes my job worthwhile. But he, you know, you got some vocal leaders and you got some leaders that just know how to perform and lead by example. And I think Casey is one of those leaders that it's almost like watch how I do it. And I want you to follow my lead. And that's that's exactly what a senior leader should do. So he's not the most vocal kid. But as far as his poise and his experience and his athletic ability, I mean, it's it's really fun to watch. And and sometimes, like, I don't have to do a whole lot of coaching. And when you got a Roan house that can make that pass and a Casey who can get downhill and with that deadly spin move, the your best bet is just letting them play ball and, and, and helping uh, them get in a position to score. So he's – He's been a real treat, a great leader, and an even better kid, and, and I'm glad I get to coach him. I want to talk about your big guys real quick because I love watching good post play, number one. And then number two, I love when a kid can step out and shoot it too because obviously that's where I like to live when I play. So, <laughs> you uh, get quite a few of those, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> talk about uh, uh, Harder and um, Martin for you inside and then and then – Harder's ability to step out and shoot it. Well, I, I think they're a perfect complement to each other. Uh, as far as Grady goes, he's young. He's that true in the post presence that we need. Uh, it's still a work in progress, and it's almost like a lost art nowadays. Kids keep stretching out the three-point line, and they want to get that that glory three-point shot. But Grady knows his bread and butter's in the post. Uh, us coaches are doing everything we can to develop that and to find ways to get him the ball, but. When you got a player who can dominate the post area offense and defensively, as he's our lead rebounder as well, and you got one that can stretch it and he can hit in the three uh, the three point line, it's just really fun to watch. And a lot of times is that teams forget who's guarding who, and you got one in the corner and you forget about. It, he kind of leaks out and he'll hit one in, and the next thing you know, you go down and you feed it in the Grady and you get a little bit of flow going. So, I between Grady. Grady and Grayson, and we got Luke Beckman. He's like our enforcer off the bench, man. He he kept that Delphus game alive for us because he went in, he guarded their post player. He was physical with them. So they all know their role, and they all know when and and how to go about it. So it's a really unique thing for us to utilize all three of them. Luke's not afraid to utilize all five fouls either. <laughs> I tell you what, he plays like a football player. I love it. <laughs> All right, Logan. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. Good luck to you Friday night. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Again, I want to thank Dylan and Logan for joining us uh, for those interviews right there. Uh, Corbin, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, even just from that standpoint, you know, both teams kind of middling um, as far as the league goes. Um, obviously, Paulding's still, you know, well within shot with just that one and one record. Uh, they haven't made up the Ayersville game 
um, as far as I'm aware. So um, still in the hunt. Uh, Hicksville's starting to play some really good basketball, and I, I mean that from a an effort standpoint. Obviously, the record's not there. Um, but again, you know, another loss of five points or less. And, you know, we talked with Coach Welch earlier tonight. Um, you know, no moral victories. Um, but, you know, eventually, and like I told him, um, you know, the game knows. And as long as you continue to stay consistent, and that was what his message was to the guys, you know, just continue to be consistent in what we do. Um, you know, eventually the game's going to reward you. And, you know, for DW, that'd be a huge win uh, against his alma mater. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, for, for Logan Stoller, maybe it's just another game from the standpoint that it's just Hicksville. Um, but I do know that, um, you know, just talking to him there earlier tonight, we did, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some emotion and, and I think that there'll be a pretty good conversation pregame, um, between those two guys catching up and, um, you know, just sharing some, some stories. But, uh, at the end of the day, I think Paulding a little bit better, um, you know, if they can shoot the ball the way that they did against Edgerton, I, I'd like to see him against Antwerp again. Um, you know, but then they turn around the next night and they play Delphus Jefferson and, and, you know, just flat out lay an egg like Coach Stoller told us earlier. Um, I'll take Paulding, but I think they have to knock some free throws down late. All right. Russ, you got anything on this one? Uh, about the only thing I got is my nephew went to both schools and both coaches graduated with my cousin. All right. So, go teams. Go teams. <laughs> who you, who, you, who you picking? I'll take Paulding. Hicksville right. still got some work to do. Okay. Taking the Panthers. Uh, I, too, am going to take Paulding, and I'll echo everything Corbin said. You know, talking to both coaches, I think uh, both of them have their teams in a really good spot. I think Paulding's just a tier above uh, of what Hicksville is. Coach Welch, you know, getting those guys to play his way and his brand a little bit while, you know, keeping, you know, we, we talked to him about keeping what Coach Tier had already established. Um, so I think he's doing a good job of that. And then with Coach Stoller, you know, this being his first year, I think this young team's playing pretty well for him. Um, you know, we watched him last week again against Edgerton and just got out and ran, um, shot the ball really well. You know, a little bit of a letdown there Saturday night. And, and, you know, he mentioned that. And I think they'll bounce back in a big way. I think they knock off Hicksville uh, over at the red zone. I'm, I'm going to say by 10-ish points. All right. So, Saturday night, Antwerp uh, back home with Patrick Henry. That'll be a good game, Corbin. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what Antwerp does after Friday night. You know, Patrick Henry's a really good team. Um, coming off of an emotional game, win or lose, um, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back with another tough opponent. Yep. Ayersville on Saturday night uh, will t- travel to the stage to take on the Jefferson Wildcats. Uh, again, a team that we've seen that uh, – can make some noise as they just knocked off Paulding Saturday night. So that'd be a good matchup on the stage. Um, Edgerton Saturday evening will play host to the Eden Bombers as coach Ripke makes his way back to Edgerton. Uh, that's always a good game. And they played earlier this season. Uh, that's one of Edgerton's two wins. 
knocked off Eden 56-37 the first time. Uh, that was in the Route 49 Classic. Corbett, I'd venture to say that Matt Ripke, you know, you play a team twice, and, and the way they lost that game the first time, I think they're going to battle back, and that'll be a tough game for the Bulldogs on Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. And and just looking through the schedule, I know you haven't quite got to Tenora yet, but Tenora gets Hilltop. There are four games, uh, GMC versus BBC. So let's take a little bit of a poll here, you guys. Who comes out on top? It's Edgerton Eden, Hicksville Fayette, Paulding Montpelier, and Tenora and Hilltop. Oh, boy. I say they split. I'm looking at a I'm looking at a two two split too, and I think what it comes down to is that Edgerton Eden game. I agree. I agree. That's a big. That's a. That's an interesting weekend. We don't got the Big Ten ACC challenge anymore, so let's have this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as you mentioned, Corbin. Um, Got some big matchups there in the GMC BBC colliding here. So uh, Saturday night, the Fairview Apaches will travel to Bryan. This is a 4:30 JV start, so varsity will tip off probably just before six o'clock. Um, that's not going to be easy for the Apaches heading over to Bryan Saturday night. No, that's a team that will just continue to get better. I know they dropped a couple of games early that they shouldn't have. Um, I think that's a big win that Hicksville picked up when they beat them earlier in the year, too. I, I like Brian in that one. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, Hicksville, as you mentioned, has Fayette at home. Uh, Paulding is going to host Montpelier on Saturday night. And then, as you mentioned, the Tenora Rams will play host to the Hilltop Cadets on Saturday. Wayne Trace Saturday will host the Miller City Wildcats and that that should be a dandy as well. Miller City playing pretty well right now too. Yeah, we'll get Brady back uh in the fold with things. It's it's good to get back to work with Brady. I'll have that game with Brady on my sports on on Saturday night. Heck yeah, you got a busy week. <laughs> it was. I've got the girls tomorrow and we're playing Trace girls tomorrow and then both Wayne Trace games this weekend. Um, yeah, four games this week. Busiest I've ever been. All right, well, that's all I got for tonight, guys. If that's all you got, you got any shout-outs this evening? Yeah, I have one. Sure. So uh, think back to that time when you're watching Remember the Titans and you hear the song Time. Time has come today. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, the time has finally come for Paulding to get a Taco Bell. It opens 7 o'clock on Friday morning. Really? I just saw somebody ask that on Facebook. When Taco Bell is here, and I hope it's here to stay. You going to be a first first dude in line or uh, hitting it up before school on Friday? Uh, I mean, I think I might go out of my way to drive by just to see if the line's brief or not. <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, I can't tell you what my truck will do. It might just whip on in there if the line ain't too long. Uh, no, nah, it's yeah. gonna be like when a Chick Fil A opens up, and they camp out three days ahead. <laughs> I'll take a coffee and a burrito, please. You gotta get some of them Cinnabon D lights. True. <laughs> Those are pretty good. They sure. just melt in your mouth. Russ, you got a shout out? 
Uh, no, just uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, thanks for helping us out. For no random reason whatsoever, just a valued listener that pays attention. Absolutely. <laughs> My shout out. I want to thank Coach Welch and Coach Stoller for coming on with us, um, taking time out of their busy schedules on this Wednesday evening. So want to give that shout out again. Huge thank you to all our sponsors once again. Appreciate it. Um, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. You have listened to another episode of Across the Field. Peace out, players.